how would you like to have a chargeable bite-sized one-to-one experience that you can offer your potential clients that is quick and fun for you to deliver and helps to sell your higher price services that's exactly what we're going to help you with today in this episode of architecture business club the weekly podcast for solo and small firm architecture practice owners just like you who want to build a profitable future-proof architecture business that fits around their life I'm the host, John Clayton. If you want to get notified when I release a new episode and get access to free resources and exclusive offers, then go to mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC and sign up to my free weekly email newsletter. Now let's discuss first date offers. In this episode, I'm joined by Laura Robinson. Laura is a marketing mentor for expertise-based businesses. She's been working in marketing and copywriting for more than 14 years. And in that time, she's helped hundreds of business owners create and sell online offers and to make their online marketing more effective. She's delivered masterclasses for Enterprise Nation, Membership Academy, and Andrew and Pete's Atomic Community. And she's also shared her expertise as a speaker at Erin Wong's Momentum Day and Atomicon, one of Europe's largest business conferences. If you're running a business that needs to fit around your other life challenges, priorities and adventures, sign up for Laura's free comfy business newsletter at worditude.co.uk forward slash newsletter. Laura, welcome to Architecture Business Club. Hello, thank you for having me. It's great to have you here today. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, uh, as you know, hopefully. Before we just dive into the, the topic we're going to talk about, though, I've got to ask you about this. You're a volunteer marine mammal medic. Um, could you tell me a little bit about that? I can. It sounds like the name feels like it makes it sound like a lot more hands-on than it really is. I volunteered with a charity called the British Divers Marine Life Rescue, even though there's absolutely no diving involved it's kind of a legacy name and uh, we work all over the UK coastline and if there's any marine mammals that are in distress and they need help out of the water so they're they've been out of the water for some reason um, I can get called and go and help with that so the people who volunteer up in Scotland they typically get like whales and dolphins uh, where I am in East Anglia I have only been called out to seals um, and that's usually during the popping season when uh, seal pups are weaned from their mums quite early a few weeks old and the vast majority of them go off to fish successfully and, and gain body weight and go and live independent happy lives but some of them aren't so lucky and they might sustain injuries storm damage they just fail to thrive really um, and so we get called out to pick them up and take them to a wildlife hospital where they get fed up until they're a good body weight and then released back into the wild oh that sounds awesome have you ever been tempted to take one home absolutely not they are so beautiful to look at but they really smell and they're very bitey <laughs> so <laughs> they uh they have a good public image that they don't really deserve if you get up close to them yeah fair enough okay so best viewed from a distance definitely yeah we don't want to get as close as i do <laughs> okay well um we're going to talk about something called first date offers so this is something that the listeners probably aren't familiar with this is a, a concept that that you've created could you tell me what is a first date offer and and how did you come up with the idea 
it was an accidental invention. I don't mind doing discovery calls. You know, you have like a, just a free chat with someone who might be interested in buying your higher price service. I don't mind doing them, but they tend to be a bit ambiguous. They go on for a while. You give away the whole farm and you've not made any money. And sometimes the um, potential client feels a bit awkward about booking in for a free chat as if it's a trap or they're just going to be sold to or they just don't want to take your time for free because that feels um, like unfair out of balance. I also see people selling these things like power hours or like one hour consultations, pick my brain type sessions. And I am not a fan of those at all. They are definitely way too ambiguous. They go on forever. They eat into your calendar. So you end up with like these messy slots of time that your uh, brain is devoted to this one particular person. Then you have to switch back to somebody else. Um, so I wanted something that was kind of in the middle where I could get to know someone, but they were paying for it and they were getting something of value from the session. And it was a good taste of what it was like to work with me. And so I've had that in the back of my mind for probably at least a year, I think, knowing that there was this middle ground that I just didn't know what it looked like. And then I released a course that was called Marketing Game Plan and thought, Oh, it would be fun to offer a 20-minute one-to-one Voxer chat with people who had a particular marketing dilemma that they wanted to talk over with me. Do you want to just explain what a Voxer chat is to the listeners? Oh, so Voxer is an uh, it's a walkie-talkie based app. So a bit like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger where you're able to leave voice notes. But on those platforms, when you leave the voice note, the person at the other end can't hear it until you've finished. And then they listen and then they respond. And so you end up with this weird kind of lag and it's not like a telephone conversation and it feels awkward and it takes forever. With Voxer, it's real time. So they can hear when you're listening. When you're leaving a message, the person on the other end can hear real time. But they can also choose whether they play it back and listen again or they think, oh, I don't want to listen to that right now. They go carry on with what they're doing. They come back. And so for my very easily distracted brain, it's my preferred method of communication because I find it very hard to concentrate. When someone's talking to me, they'll spark off an idea and I'm my brain's going like, oh, this is great. Let's think about this thing. But they've carried on talking. And I, I don't know. I didn't listen to the second half of what you said because I was thinking about the first thing. But with Voxer, I can do that. I can write notes. I can go off with whatever the first thing was. And then I can re-listen to the message and pick up the second or third or fourth points before I get back to them with a more comprehensive message. So it's a slower flow of conversation than, say, a Zoom chat but faster than voice messaging on the other apps. So I could go on about it forever because I absolutely love that form of communication. Okay, well, that that's probably, we could probably do a whole episode in the future yep. about using Voxer because <laughs> I love Voxer as well. So that's, you were using Voxer for that initial offer, that 20 minute conversation that you talked about. So let's just yep. swing it back around to so, that then. So I'd only made it available to people who'd bought the course and it was very focused on do like any kind of marketing you're stuck with a marketing dilemma like you, don't, you just don't know what to do next you need to make a decision about a thing and I just loved it like it, it made me come alive I was in a bit of a funk at the time because it was January February time this year and I'm not good like January and February are not my good times of year at all and I realized when I get to talk to people just for a short period of time it 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 reinvigorates me. It gives me ideas. It gives me inspiration. I love the reaction that you get from a 20 minute intense session at the end that the the recipient or the client on the other end is just totally blown away by what we can achieve in 20 minutes. And so then that helps like pump me up as well. So uh, I thought, oh, I've got something here. And it turned out that some of those people wanted to go on and buy my higher priced one-to-one services. So I hadn't created it intentionally to fit this gap between a discovery call and a power hour. 
I just made it off the back of this course, but then I realized, oh, this is, this is something like I love doing it. I'm definitely going to do this again. And it does fill that void in like my offers quite nicely. That sounds, sounds absolutely fantastic. It's funny how sometimes these great ideas do just happen accidentally, don't they? But it's, it's a really good idea. What I'd like to talk about actually is before we kind of dig more into first day offers, I want to try and focus on how small firm architecture practices and uh, sole practitioners working in architecture how they can use this concept before we do that though i know that you've had an experience of doing your own home renovation projects and i'd like to hear a little bit about the experience that you had working with the the architectural firm could you tell me about those first interactions that you had with the architectural firms when you, you contacted perhaps one or two companies when you decided to to renovate and extend your home yeah, it feels like ages ago now. When when the whole process of even getting everyone in place and the mortgage and the permission and the architect and the builder, I don't even know how logistically we made that happen, but it took a couple of years to get everything lined up. And my experience with, I, I contacted a couple of architects and they came around and they obviously didn't really want to do the job so that they were humoring me because I'd asked for them to come. And initially we were looking at a loft conversion and whether that would be possible or not. And it wasn't. And the architect we settled with was our builder, the builder we chose is someone that uh, his dad had done my parents' extension. So we live in quite a small village kind of town. Everybody knows everybody. And um, so that was, for me, I wanted it to be someone that I really trusted and I was going to be leaving my house empty for a good few weeks at a time. You know, I was coming back every day, but I just wanted to be comfortable that it was someone that when we moved back into the house, we felt like it had been a good experience. We'd enjoyed the process. Like that was my top priority so I wanted it to be this particular group of builders above anything else and so we chose them first and then we went with the architect that they were most familiar with working with um, because they had such a great relationship it made everything much easier. And what happened then once once you decided you were going to use that architect what actually happened did they I'm just sort of thinking about what those first interactions were compared uh, so we can try and relate these two things together really so I'm just wondering like what actually happened when you picked up the phone and and contacted them did they come out and visit did you go to their office did you they send you a fee proposal via email what was the first things that happened when you got in touch no, I don't I still don't even know what the fee was because if it, when you've decided that you're going to do the thing it almost becomes irrelevant doesn't it I mean not totally irrelevant but in the end there were just numbers floating around I was like but all together will we have enough money yes okay then let's just get on with it um, so I don't know and I wouldn't know like what the fees were compared to other people either we just decided I think it was very much like a relationship based project so we knew we were going with this person. She came to the house and did all the measurements and stuff. And we chatted about what we, uh, what I really enjoyed was talking about what we wanted to achieve by doing it. So she wasn't, you know, cause I had an idea if we're going to put this extension on the back and these bedrooms are going to go here. And she was taking me up a level and saying, okay, we, you don't need to decide that. Like you don't need to decide where the bedrooms go or where the walls are going to be. You tell me what it is that you want to achieve when you move back into the house. So that was a really helpful experience to kind of hand it over a bit. And then she came back to me with two or three floor plans, one of which would have been the most amazing master suite at the back of the house with views of the sea. And the other one was the one where the kids got the best bedrooms at the back of the house with the best light and the views of the sea. And I think we can probably, everybody knows which one I went for. (laughs) 
<laughs> the kids are very happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing that. So let's let's talk again about the, the concept of first day offers then. And what I'm really interested to dig into is maybe we could do a little bit of brainstorming and think about the first day offer that architecture practices could use. So to think about you know, how could we apply something like what you did? Just to remind everyone, the, the first day offer that you had, it was, how? what was the price point? Was it £47? It's £47 and it's a 20-minute chat to solve one particular marketing dilemma. And so the concept, the overall concept of the first day offer that I so far we've applied it to a lot of different industries, including I figured one out with a doula the other day, <laughs> wedding photographers, um, wow. cake makers, like things that you you just like, I don't know how this would work, but so far I'm doing okay with figuring out examples. Um, the concept is that it's a short one-to-one interaction where that they pay for it and they get something of value the other side of it and potentially they might go on to buy a higher priced offer from you and the interaction is a sample of the experience of working with you so it does also need to mirror in some way like if you if they went to work with you longer term how would you be interacting with them would you be coming to their house would it be via zoom is it a lot over some other platform that you used to communicate with your clients uh, so that they can really start to see that reality of having you in their life and and what that bigger project might look like but equally everyone's happy like if you just do that bite size offer that first date offer and the client walks away it, you're okay with that because you got paid you got something from the experience they got something of value from the experience and everyone's happy it's not where one person's beholden to the other okay so so this is it's a bite size one-to-one offer that leaves both the customer and you as the service provider both feeling really happy about it and enjoying delivering it even if this is something that doesn't i mean ideally i could see how this could easily encourage people to then go on and buy the higher ticket solution whatever that package is but but it's something that can stand alone you can it can be a standalone product or service as well so it's something of value in its own right and i thought that was a really good point you made about it mirroring the way that you work normally so maybe if you were let's just say you're a an architect that does mainly in-person meetings then it would make sense that maybe there was a short in-person element to this offer or if you were using video calls like zoom or teams something like that that maybe the first day offer could include that like a little taster session so to have it mirror the way that the the bigger higher ticket offers work makes a lot of sense because often those are barriers to people working with you that you don't even realize exist that they might be totally convinced on your expertise and that you're going to be able to help them and you can get them to this great outcome that they want but if they can't picture, like, but what's this going to look like in my life? Like, after I've said yes and I've handed over whatever money or deposit you want, they just can't imagine what that might be like. That's a huge barrier to saying yes to it because nobody wants to jump across this, like, invisible bridge and trust that it's there for them. So if you can do something to help make that bridge more real, they can imagine what that experience is going to be like. It breaks down a lot of barriers to them saying yes to working with you more. Okay. So, I mean, some initial... I, I did have a few initial thoughts and I'd, I'd love to get your feedback on these. So one idea was maybe sending an initial appraisal of a property or a building plot or a building's development potential. So something like that. Another idea was maybe to to give feedback on a customer's own 
sketch design. Often people will be on Pinterest collating all sorts of ideas and, and sketching out their own floor plans. So I wondered about maybe giving feedback on that, on their design idea, maybe via a short video, perhaps. It could be a little video screen recording. Um, or maybe at one thing that a lot of people's minds is, particularly homeowners, is whether to move or improve. They might be thinking, you know, we, we need an extra extra bedroom. Like, what's the best thing to do? Do we, do we move or improve what we've got? So it could be a telephone consultation or, or a Voxer call using Voxer to help them decide on that. And the other idea I had was helping them maybe figure out the next three steps to to get started on a, a renovation or a property development. So do you think, I mean, there's four different ideas there. Do you think any of those would have legs? I mean, for an architecture business owner? Remember, don't forget to subscribe to my free weekly email newsletter. You can do that at mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC. And if you're enjoying this episode, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club and leave a five-star review. Now back to the show. I think all of those have um, have legs, like they've all got potential. You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't do them all. You'd just like pick pick an idea or come up with your own that is that's the one that you kind of stick to and you trot, trot out every now and then when you want to generate some clients. But what I wanted to say about all those different ideas is I love that most of them, probably all of them, were things that you could do in your own time. So you actually did it. Although it's great to have some element of one-to-one interactions, so they can get to know you. You also don't want to, um, you know, block out your diary with having to do these all the time. So if you have to do some one-to-one elements to it, I I batch mine so they're only available for a couple of weeks every few months so that I can get them done and then clear out my diary in this space. Or for some people, it's you don't want to batch it because you know in your line of work, there's a very short window of time when someone's wants to hire an architect and if your availability doesn't line up with that then it causes all sorts of problems so you probably will want your first date offers to be available all the time in which case the method of delivery needs to be really flexible for you that it can fit around your existing work schedule and where you said like record a video feedback of the floor plan and what's possible for them you can do that at eight o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon, whenever you've got time for it. And it doesn't matter what the client's doing because then it's asynchronous. They're not having to be present at the same time. So I love those ideas. Um, and I also wanted to point out how they would attract very different types of client. And you need to think about, is that someone I want to work with? Because I'm guessing for some of you, some architects, you absolutely love the client that's there with their little, this is me with my grid of paper, drawing it out quite accurately. I was very proud of myself and going, but what would happen if we moved this over here? And is it very expensive to move this wall because it would have this great impact? Like you might want to really work with someone like that. And there'll be other architects listening going, no, like, you, I will charge three times as much if someone's going to present a piece of graph paper with me with a sketch of the house. Like, absolutely not. So <laughs> Move away from your, the graph paper. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so you can use your first date offer to position yourself as, I, I really want to attract these people and I definitely don't want to be working with those people. And so you'll naturally um, find that the, the people that go on to work with you in your bigger offers, you've almost created your own filter to make sure that only certain people get through the gate because you've only attracted the ones you really enjoy working with. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. So one thing, encourage the idea of doing something that's asynchronous so that you've got the flexibility to fit it in to suit your own 
your own time, your, your own calendar. So something like um, feedback that's delivered via a video, via a Voxer message, even maybe like a report or something that gets emailed. It could even just be a simple report or um, a sketch plan or something that gets emailed off. Something along those lines would be far easier to deliver. And also as well, in terms of price point, like there'd be far less time to do that than to try and arrange a time to go out and visit somebody in person uh, with travel time and, you know, inevitably getting around there and saying, right, it's a 30-minute consultation and then it's like an hour and a quarter later because you can't get away. And that does happen. That sounds like we've got some really like solid ideas there that could work for, for some practice owners. But how the heck do we decide what to charge for it? I don't know. I wish there was like a magic number where I could go and every first day offer is charged at £97 and everyone like pays the same. I think it's going to vary massively with your, um, like for the industry. So you can charge a lot more because eventually the thing that they're going to buy is even a higher price than than what I can charge. So it needs to be a balance between, it, it's a really easy thing for people to say yes to. Like it's not, they don't have to think about what's well, a bit of an investment like this is a bit hard do, am I saying yes now or do I wait a month like it does need to be low so that there's very little friction there because you've got that potential for them to be a lead for a higher paying thing but there has to be absolutely no resentment from you for delivering it for that fee now for me I was it was easy for me to charge a very small amount compared to what it would be to work with me longer term because it's not available all the time. So it's very small batches. I release a batch of 10. They go pretty quickly. So it's done entirely on my own terms. It's not trading off. Uh, so people who buy my higher price things don't think, oh yeah, but if I bought 10 of this low price thing, you know, I would have paid. It doesn't work like that because you just can't buy lots of these lower price things. They're, they're in a very limited number for very limited periods of time. But I also get so much more out of it than the money. So when I'm judging... Do, is there any resentment for me only charging this small fee? Absolutely not, because I get so much from it, not just the leads that it generates, but from the experience, just really being able to understand what's going on in those potential clients' minds. What are they struggling with every day? What's the thing that's holding them back? Even if they don't go on to work with me longer term, I'm using that knowledge to create content, to come up with marketing ideas, to refine the paid products that people can buy. When I'm deciding the price, there's so much more. When I'm, I'm deciding the price, I'm looking at the value exchange. What are they getting out of it? And do I feel good about what I'm getting out of it? But it's not just money. There's so much more on like my side of the equation. Got it. Got it. No, that's given me a really good... I'm already thinking now, thinking like, what, what could I do with these ideas and, and how much would I charge? But no, that's given me a really good kind of yardstick to work to there. I want to just to like interrupt you yeah, yeah it's really important that it's not that this is why it works so much better than like a, a, a one hour consultation when you do something that's ambiguous like that and you're just giving away an hour of your time people start to do the maths of oh, if i bought three of these would you be able to do this and it might not be as much of an issue in your profession but maybe it is you're trying to create this the first day offer is something that's so standalone it's not comparable to the higher price things it's not a you couldn't buy 10 of them and make your big thing because that's just not how it works. It's something that's, uh, you know, it's an individual, discrete, standalone offer that they can't, it, you know, it's not a component of your bigger thing. You can't make it up by buying lots of those or having, I'll have one of those a month and then I don't need to buy your long-term package. It just doesn't work like that. Okay. So rather than it, rather than it being framed like you're buying 30 minutes of my time, it, it's like you're getting this transformation this is the thing. You you buy this thing, we solve this problem, and at the end, 
once you've received it, your life is so many times better because we've we've fixed this thing you're struggling with. It's not about the fact that it might only take you 30 minutes to actually do it. Exactly. And the example in, in, in the course that I've got about it, the ex- example I use is if you had a gardener come and knock on your door, like a gardener can see the, the garden's a bit of a tip. You obviously need some help with that. They could knock on your door and say, you can hire me for this much money every week. That's quite a hard thing to say yes to. Like, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're going to do and I don't really want to commit to that. Or they could say, you can hire me for an hour and see what I can achieve in an hour. And you might say yes, but again, it doesn't really like give you this feeling of what it's going to be like to have someone for long term. Or they could offer you a package that takes them an hour to deliver, but we don't need to know that. And they come in and they describe, this is what I would do to your garden to make it somewhere that would be really enjoyable for you. And this is what that would look like. And you pay for it because you could go away and implement that plan yourself if you wanted. But for the most part, you're going to say, yeah, no, that's way too much work for me to do. So yes, if you'd like to come back every week for this amount of money and work towards this vision of my garden that you've created, that would be wonderful. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Are there any are there any pitfalls that you've come across, or or your other clients that have developed their own first night offers? Is there any any pitfalls to avoid, or any any problems that you found that people have had to kind of work around in creating these offers? Being too big in scope, it's twenty minutes. People are going to work with me for twenty minutes. We're going to tackle one project or one question, one dilemma, one problem. That's very narrow. As soon as I've worked with people who have then said, oh, but, you know, I don't mind it being an hour or like I'm happy to offer my clients longer. And then they find that everyone leaves unhappy because you sort of start pulling at other threads and asking other questions and looking in other places. But you can't ever really make that much progress in those things and wrap it up in a way that feels comfortable and like everybody's happy and you've you know tie a nice bow around it and that's done so i think making it too broad in scope actually ends up with everyone feeling a bit dissatisfied um not having i mean this this is definitely a mistake i make i do not have good enough follow-up processes so i i love doing them but i find them quite energetically draining and so then when it's done in my head, I'm like, I must follow up with this person and say, if we were to work together longer term, we would work on this, this and this. And here's how you do that. Or here's how you find out more about that. And that will sit on my to-do list for about three days. And then I feel really embarrassed, like, oh, if I have to go back to them now and say, do you remember that conversation we just had? So I'm getting better at doing it straight away afterwards. But um, really, I should leave more time in my diary to recover and then batch the replies and get back to people but yeah that's my own personal bit that I fall down with and also having them like it, it you do need to have some restriction on the availability just because when something's available all the time and it's a low price it, it's people just don't they're like oh yeah but maybe I'll buy it next week maybe I'll buy it next week like unless they have some internal urgency for why they need to get it they'll always defer the decision and um it doesn't mean that you you know, I sell lots of my things like Evergreen where you can buy it at any time. But for this one thing, you want it to have su- to be such an easy yes and have such momentum to it. Ideally, there is some degree of um, limit to the availability or when uh, the timing of it. Okay, so so to try and find a way of creating some scarcity uh, so that there's some urgency for the customers to, to book it in. And- and there will be because you don't want to do endless numbers of these every week. So you're going to no. just invent your own scarcity. <laughs> absolutely. Um, that's been absolutely brilliant, Laura. Um, it, do you want to try and sum it up? What would you say are like the three main things that you want people to take away from this conversation about first day offers? Do you want to try and sum things up for us? 
What you, to be honest, the one main thing is think really creatively about how you make it easy for people to say yes to work with you. Because just the, you will have seen in your industry, the same as in every industry, there's a default way that people do things and that's how we do it and that's how we charge and that's how we structure offers and that's what everyone expects. And it, like, there's literally no reason why it has to be that way. And if there's a way that works better for you, there will be a subset of clients that look at your way of doing it and go, oh, that is that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. Like I chose the, you know, the primary driver for me choosing my architect is that I didn't really have to have anything to do with it. She was lovely, but I didn't have to be around and fill the appointments and I could just leave her and the builder and they would sort it out between them. Other people don't want that. Other people want to be really hands-on and know I'm your direct point of contact. And so you get to choose who are the people I most want to work with. Okay, well, I will set up a first date offer that really appeals to that group of people. And then your business is going to be shaped the other side of that, that you're only going to be working with people that you love to work with. So I, th- I see it as a really great opportunity to be very creative in the way that you package what you do and how you sort of target the people you want to work with. And it's very low risk because if you try it, so if we go back to our example of, I love working with people who have graph paper and <laughs> they draw their house and you create an offer that's based around that and you try it out and it doesn't work or you try it out and those people go on to be clients and you have a couple of nightmare projects and you think, I'm never doing that again. You just take away the first date offer or create another one. You haven't completely rebranded your business or made massive changes that you can't go back on. You've just run a little experiment that made a bit of money and learned something from it. It sounds like a fantastic way to to differentiate yourself from the norm, from particularly for architecture practice owners. And and there are this you know quite a few kind of common ways that conventions that people. The way that they work normally, there's a lot of similarities from practice to practice. So actually having something like this, creating a first date offer, would be a really cool way for them to differentiate themselves in their marketplace. So um, hugely valuable. So thanks so much for sharing about this, Laura. Was there anything else you wanted to add that we haven't covered? I think so. I think just my mantra is it has to be comfortable and enjoyable for you to do it. So whatever your first date offer looks like, if it's fun for you to deliver it, that's a really good place to start. Don't do something, don't do it because we've said it's a good idea to do it. <laughs> like if you if you listen to this and think, mm, well, no, I don't I don't want to have that blocking up my calendar. That sounds like a nightmare. Like it's not the thing that you it's not the the new in thing that you absolutely must do. It's just something to try out if it feels fun and comfortable for you to do it. Cool. Brilliant. There's one other question that I wanted to ask, and it's nothing to do with first date offers. I love travel and discovering new places. And I just wanted to tell you to tell me one of your favourite places and, and what you love about it. And it can be near or far. And I've, I've got a feeling I might know what you're going to say, but fire away. Is it that, you know, I'm just going to say my local beach? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're expecting? <laughs> that's so fine. If one, that's fine. I live one mile from uh, the coast, which is lovely. I can see the sea from the back of our house where our new extension is and um i just i love being there i love i love walking by the sea and the sound that the waves make but i also love the fact that some days it's still and calm like a pond and other days it's so fierce and cold and unappealing and you wouldn't ever imagine going in it and it's just still the same sea i feel like that that's such um for me it feels like such a metaphor for life like i'm in the same place but it's such a different experience each time you go down there so Yep, that's my favourite place. And it's a very lovely beach to come and visit as well. 
I'll have to visit one day. <laughs> I love the I love the coast. I used to live by the coast, and um, we now live about a forty five minute drive away. And I I didn't appreciate how much I loved living by the coast until not living by the coast. And now, whenever we go back, I just absolutely love it for all those same reasons. It's lovely. Plus, it usually involves like fish and chips and ice cream as well. So that's obviously a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> So, Laura, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your expertise. Where can people go online to find out more about you? So, my website is worditude.co.uk. Um, that's and on Facebook, if you just put forward slash worditude, you'll find me. I couldn't use my real name because there are so many Laura Robinsons working online that I would never have been able to differentiate myself. So, I made up a word and I used that instead. <laughs> Okay. And do you want to remind everyone how to sign up for your comfy business newsletter? So that's at wordachieve.co.uk forward slash newsletter. And I send two emails out, usually two emails out every week. Uh, one on a Tuesday is much more story based about my very comfortable business and life and hopefully there's some things in there that you can learn or just enjoy reading it and then on thursdays i send the comfy business link buffet which is just a bunch of stuff that either i've created or i found or other people have created um that might be useful or helpful when you're running your business oh that's awesome thanks so much laura you're welcome thank you Next time, I'll be chatting with architect and architectural technologist Anne Vanner about her experience of returning to practice. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Architecture Business Club. If you liked this episode, think other people might enjoy it, or just want to show your support, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club, and leave a glowing five-star review. It would mean so much to me and makes it easier for new listeners to discover the show. If you just want to connect with me, you can do that on most social media platforms. Just search for at Mr. John Clayton. The best place to connect with me online, though, is on LinkedIn. You can find a link to my profile in the show notes. Remember, running your architecture business doesn't have to be hard, and you don't need to do it alone. This is Architecture Business Club, 